It's time to begin. Good morning, everybody. First song be number one. We're going to sing one, two, and four. One, two, and four. <clears throat> There is behind the ashes of blue service this morning. Uh, if you're visiting with us, uh, we consider you honored guest and we invite you to worship with us anytime that you can. We also ask that you fill out an attendance card and place that in the collection plate if you're visiting with us so that we'll have a record of your attendance. And it's great to have everybody here this morning. Our times of service are 9.30 Bible study this morning, 10.30 is our morning worship, 5 p.m. tonight will be our Sunday evening worship, and 7 p.m. is our Wednesday evening worship. We want to congratulate Nathan and Caitlin Wallace on the birth of their son, Isaiah Warren Wallace, on September 15th. He weighs 6 pounds, 11 ounces, and Caitlin and Isaiah are doing fine. So I'm glad that they've been blessed with a healthy baby. Bible Bowl practice will be today at 4 p.m. Tonight is the area-wide youth Devo, which we'll be hosting here at Stroudsville. And it is at 5 p.m. There will be pizza following the service. Uh, we ask that you bring drinks chips and desserts uh, to share with the meal. Ladies Day at Trenton Crossing Church of Christ is Saturday, September 24th from 9 to noon with lunch provided. Please sign up in the foyer. Uh, there is a sheet on the bulletin board. Um, please sign up by September the 21st if you plan to attend. There's a Ladies Day, De Ladies Devo, Tuesday, September 27th at 6.30 at the home of Shannon Garrett. Uh, we'll be gathering items for the prison ministry. Please look over the list posted in the carrying corner for items that are needed. And the ladies' sewing group uh, is still in need of gently used T-shirts, size large to 3X. Please place the T-shirts in the laundry basket in the carrying corner for the group to use. That's all the announcements I have at this time. We'll have our reading. Good morning. Our reading this morning will come from Mark chapter 10, 
verses 35 through 45. Mark 10, verses 35 through 45. And James and John, the two sons of Zebedee, came up to him, saying to him, Teacher, we want you to do for us whatever we ask of you. And he said to them, What do you want me to do for you? And they said to him, Grant that we may sit in your glory, one on your right and one on your left. But Jesus said to them, You do not know what you are asking for. Are you able to drink the cup that I drink, or to be baptized with the baptism with which I am baptized? And they said to him, We are able. And Jesus said to them, The cup that I drink you shall drink, and you shall be baptized with the baptism with which I am baptized. But to sit on my right or on my left, this is not mine to give, but it is for those for whom it has been prepared. And hearing this, the ten began to feel indignant with James and John. And calling them to himself, Jesus said to them, You know that those who are recognized as rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and their great men exercise authority over them. But it is not so among you, but whoever wishes to become great among you shall be your servant, and whoever wishes to be first among you shall be slave of all. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve, and to give his life a ransom for many. Next song will be number 320. 320, we'll sing one, two, and three. At this, we'll have an opening prayer. <clears throat> 320. Precious memories, unseen angels, sent from somewhere to my soul. Precious 
Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we're so thankful for our children, grandchildren, and and the youth uh, in our congregation here. Please help us to be an example to them. Help them to follow what's right and to study thy word. We want to especially pray for all the activities, Bible Bowl and other things going on, uh, the area-wide that uh, helps influence the youth. Please let the things that occur encourage them and help them to follow Thee. Please help us to look around us and to minister to people who have not chosen to follow thee, help us to spread the gospel and to be an example to others. We pray for those that are physically sick. Please be with them, heal them, help them return to us soon. We want to pray especially for the families who've lost loved ones. Be with them, comfort them, and help them to to turn to thee for guidance. Please help us to always do thy will, and above all, help us to follow the greatest commandments, to love thee first and to love others. We pray in Christ's name. Amen. Next song be number 143. <clears throat> 143 at this, we had the Lord's Supper. Let's sing one and three, please. Oh, in the grave he gather around the table this morning, we reflect upon Jesus, who he is, what he did. There should be a lot of emotion, a lot of feelings as we gather around the table this morning to reflect upon Jesus. And when there's a lot of feelings, a lot of emotions, sometimes there's certain words that can, can trigger e- even more emotions. Um, it's hard to really capture uh, Jesus and everything he means to us in a, in a single word, but sometimes there are words that just bring, bring about those feelings. One word that comes to mind when I think about Jesus is, is hero. Um, hero is defined as a person who is admired or uh, idealized for courage, outstanding achievement, or noble qualities. I think that definitely describes Jesus in Romans 5, verse 8. says, But God demonstrated his own love for us, that while we were still sinners, Christ 
died for us. Other words that may come to mind, I think of redeemer, king, uh, humble, even a servant. In Philippians 2, verses uh, 5 through 8, says, Have this attitude in yourself, with, which was also in Christ Jesus, who, as he already existed in the form of God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a bondservant and being born in the likeness of men and being found in appearance as a man. He humbled himself, becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. I'm not sure that any one word can really describe Jesus. Uh, Many words these days are carelessly uh, thrown around over and over, but the one word that definitely every time I hear it, Jesus is who I think of is the word Savior. And I'm no longer surprised by this. I had no idea what what song Wes would be pick, be picking out for uh, before the Lord's Supper this morning. But if you might have noticed, uh, uh, low in the grave he lay. The word Savior is right there in the first line of, of both the verses we just sang. Savior really seems to capture Jesus and what He did for us, and if we remember that, Savior because He was perfect and He was sinless. Savior because he loved us. Savior because he sacrificed himself for us. And Savior because we need to be saved because we cannot save ourselves. This morning as we commune together, let's remember our Savior. Will you pray with me, please? Our Heavenly Father, we're just so thankful that we can commune together this morning to remember our Savior. Thankful that Jesus left heaven to live as a man, and ultimately give himself up on the cross. Lord, as we partake of this bread, which represents his body, we ask for your blessings on it and help us to be mindful of of Jesus and his sacrifice for us, how he saved us. Lord, we we pray that we partake of this in marriage. pleasing unto you. Through Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, as we continue our communion this morning, we ask for your blessings on this fruit of vine. Lord, we're thankful that it represents Jesus' blood, blood that was shed on our, our behalf and blood that washed away our sins. Lord, just so thankful that he was willing to endure the pain, the agony, the shame, the torture 
because he loves us and wants us to be in heaven with you someday. Lord, we're thankful for his sacrifice. It's through his name we pray. Amen. That concludes the Lord's Supper. This time, as the men are still assembled, we will pass the collection plates so we have opportunity to give as we've been prospered through the week. Will you pray with me, please? Our Heavenly Father, we're so thankful for all of our many blessings. Lord, we uh, live in a very blessed nation, and Lord, just uh, very blessed by material things and, and health and freedoms. And Lord, we just pray that we do not take any of these things for granted, but that we uh, honor you and, and thank you and acknowledge you that all, all these good things come from you. Lord, as we have this opportunity to, to give back as you have blessed us, Lord, we pray that we do so with cheerful hearts and we pray that you uh, please uh, guide those who help oversee the spending of these funds. Lord, we pray that our church here just always does your will. Lord, we pray that we give a cheerful hearts through Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen. Uh, every taste song will be number 588 after the lesson. Now, the song before the lesson will be number 646. Let's stand and sing this, please. <clears throat> We're going to sing one, two, and three.
One, two, and three. When peace like a river attendant in my way, when sorrows like sea hit a rose, what heaven my love So good to have those of you today that are visiting with us. I know we have several visitors, and we wanted to let you know we appreciate and thank you for being here. Hope you'll continue to come back and, and be with us. Welcome. We're doing a lesson series on Queen Esther. If you want to open up your Bible to the book of Esther in the Old Testament, I think we'll be starting in uh, chapter 5. I wanted to also mention to you that tonight at 5 o'clock, we're going to have our area-wide youth devo for years and years now. Stroudsville has been the congregation that sort of kicks off our, our uh, summer. Uh, at the end of the summer, we start the school year area-wides. And so uh, we've always been the first congregation to host. I want everybody here today to make a commitment. Come back at 5 and be part of that area-wide. I promise that you'll be encouraged and uplifted by the great singing and all the youth here. And It's just going to be a great youth-oriented service. And uh, we look forward to having an uplifting worship and praise service and, and a message that will be youth-oriented. So come and support us. Be, just make that commitment. Come back at 5 o'clock and be part of our area-wide as we host tonight. We always appreciate each of you who 
or, or bring food and get involved. And you know, Strasville does such a good job at hosting. I want to thank you. I want to thank also the men that came to our prayer breakfast yesterday. We had a really good meeting, and we'd like to do that about once a quarter. But it was uplifting, encouraging, good food. And so uh, next time we have our prayer breakfast, try to come and uh, be part of that event. Esther is a great book. I've enjoyed it. It reads a lot like a, a novel. Uh, it's based on a true story. These things, events really happen in the Old Testament. And we see a young woman who is a Jew uh, in a strange and foreign land, but because of her beauty, she basically is appointed a queen. But what I like about Esther, what I find attractive about this woman is her inner beauty, her strength, and her courage. And so I'm going to stress to all of the young lady present here today. Remember that what God looks at, what really matters is that inner character and that beauty that you demonstrate in your life. And in her case, she was a very courageous leader. We see here in our next slide, the Persian Empire. It was a very large empire, the most powerful empire of its time. And you see the red arrow that's pointing to Susa, the capital of this empire, the Persian Empire, where it actually took place. You may recall that under the Babylonian Empire, the Jews began a period of captivity of 70 years. You probably remember the stories about Nebuchadnezzar, Daniel's interpretation of the dream, Daniel in the lion's den, the fiery furnace. All those were under the Babylonian Empire. Then the Medes and the Persians took over. That was uh, Belshazzar's feast, which marked an indication of a new empire. And then the Medes and Persians uh, eventually became the Persian Empire. And so that's where we see the story happening kind of toward the end of the Old Testament and not too far from the beginning of the return of the Jews uh, from their period of 70 years of exile. So our three main characters in this story, in this lesson series, have been Esther, of course, a very brave a young woman who's a queen. I appreciate the fact that Ryan mentioned his theme of Savior in our uh, Lord's Supper communion meditation. I think of Esther as well as being somebody who was a savior of her people. She was brave. You know, she went in to the king, you may recall, as we were reading the story, uninvited. Had the king not extended his scepter to her, uh, if he'd been having a bad day, she would have died. And so she put a lot on the line. She put a lot of at risk to save her people. The good news is, we read in our story of Esther that the king did extend his scepter. Uh, she planned a little banquet for two people, for, uh, for Haman. We'll talk about him in just a moment. But a little banquet for the king and Haman to begin to announce, un, to unfold or reveal uh, this plan Haman had made to destroy her people. So Esther, a, a heroine, of our story, a character who I admire because of her inner beauty, her brave, her bravery, her godliness. Then we see Mordecai. Mordecai, a Jew who's a father figure, a role model to Queen Esther. He is a, a person who is bound by his convictions to God. He doesn't bow and worship Haman. Haman is uh, basically number two in command in this in this empire of the uh, Persian Empire. He is an evil man. He, he's incensed and outraged by the fact that, that this Mordecai, a Jew, will not bow to him, will not acquiesce. And so he can't think of anything else other than I've got to destroy Mordecai. Haman says, well, you know, let's not just stop at one man. Why not just obliterate all of the Jews, kill them all? And so he, he plots this evil plan. Uh, to destroy all of the Jews and gets the king to sign on. So what I like about the story of Esther is you have all of these personalities, traits, and characteristics that are present even today in our society. You have a brave person who risks it all saving her people. You have Mordecai who is faithful to the Lord but yet will not bow or acquiesce to someone who threatens him and tries to intimidate him. Uh, you have Mordecai, who is, who is sort of that, that stable force, a faithful father figure and leader, an advisor to Esther. And then Haman, the person who's corrupt, who's very powerful, and is trying to destroy people. Those things all exist even today. 
So let's pick up the story in Esther 5. We see here in our past story of Queen Esther that she's host like a little mini banquet. She invites the king. She invites Haman. But at the initial banquet, she doesn't reveal her purpose for bringing them together. She just has kind of an initial banquet And Haman is quite honored that he gets invited, just him and the king, so he feels very special and full of pride that he's been invited to the banquet, not realizing yet that Esther is on to his plot and that Esther is going to reveal what he's done. So Esther has not yet revealed that she is a Jew. She has not yet revealed that uh, evil Haman is planning to destroy her people. In the next slide, we have a, an artist rendering of Haman as he's leaving, leaving the king's palace, and you see Mordecai in the back in a, in a uh, kind of a wine-colored robe who's not bowing. That just makes Haman furious. He can't think of anything else. He can't even sleep at night. How am I going to get back at this man who won't bow before me? It just really bothers his ego. So let's pick up the story, if you will. Open up to Esther chapter 5 and verse 9. Now this was at the end of the first banquet. He felt really special because he and only he had been invited to the presence of the king and the queen. Haman went out that day joyful and glad of heart. But... When Haman saw Mordecai in the king's gate, that he neither rose nor trembled before him, he was filled with wrath against Mordecai. Nevertheless, Haman restrained himself and went home. He sent and brought his friends and his wife Zeresh, and Haman recounted to them the splendor of his riches, the number of his sons, all the promotions with which the king had honored him and how he had advanced him above the officials and the servants of the king. See, Haman's just having a little bragging session. Oh, look how great I am, basically. Then he said in verse 12, Even Queen Esther let no one but me come with the king to the feast she prepared And tomorrow, he said, also I am invited by her together with the king. Verse 13, now he changes his tune. Yet, uh, all this is worth nothing to me, so long as I see Mordecai, the Jew, sitting at the king's gate. Then his wife Zeresh and all his friends said to him, Ah, we have a plan. Let, they said, a gallows 50 cubits high be made. And in the morning, tell the king to have Mordecai hanged upon it. And then go joyfully with the king to the feast. This idea pleased Haman. He had the gallows made. Ah, he's cooking up a plot. I'm going to kill this Haman. I'm also going to kill all of these Jews So in Esther 5.14, you can see Haman excited now. Then go joyfully with the king to the feast. So he's excited. Now, let's, let's switch scenes in our story. Meanwhile, back at the king's palace, turn to chapter 6. You see, that very night, when they cook up this plan to have Mordecai killed, the king can't sleep. He's tossing and turning on his palace bed. And so what he does is he gets up in the middle of the night, not being able to sleep, and he goes to the the book of records. It's called a chronicle of the kings. It's where all significant events are recorded. And he starts reading, and he notices in the middle of reading this book of records that there was a coup attempt, an attempt to actually assassinate him, the king, and two people were found to be guilty those close to the king, but it had been reported to the king that this assassination attempt was going to happen. Guess who reported the assassination attempt? None other but Mordecai. 
Mordecai had saved the king's life. And so the king basically gets up the next morning and he, he realizes Mordecai saved him. What honor or distinction, verse 3, has been bestowed on Mordecai for this, the king asked. The young men said, nothing's been done. Who is in the court? Now Haman had just entered the outer court of the king's palace to speak to the king about having Mordecai hanged on the gallows that he'd prepared for him. This is kind of funny, isn't it? The king's young men told him, Haman is there standing in the court. The king said, let him come in. Haman came in and the king said to him, what should be done to the man whom the king delights to honor? Now, you got to realize Haman's like, oh, I know who he's talking about. He's talking about me. I'm his number one man. He likes me. I'm a great guy and I'm powerful. So he's obviously asking about me. So Haman thinks for a moment. Whom would the king delight to honor more than me? Haman said to the king, For the man whom the king delights to honor, let royal robes be brought, which the king has worn, and the horse that the king has ridden, under whose head a royal crown is set. Oh, yeah, he's thinking, wouldn't that be wonderful? That'd be just like being a king. Let them dress the man whom the king delights to honor. Let them lead him on the horse through the square of the city, proclaiming before him, Thus shall it be done to the man whom the king delights to honor. And Haman, Haman is thinking, Oh, I can see myself now being led through the street, sitting on the king's horse, wearing his crown. I've got his robe on. I'm being honored by the king. Oh, this is grand. It's wonderful. Oh, and I'm going to a banquet later. I like this, verse 10. It's funny. The king said to Haman, Hurry, take the robes and the horse, as you have said, and do so to Mordecai. What? Do it to who? I, I thought you said Mordecai. I did. Go do that to Mordecai now. I bet Haman turned three shades of white to Mordecai? And he's thinking in his mind, wait a minute, wait a minute. I was supposed to come and, and talk to the king about having Mordecai killed. And now the king wants me to have Mordecai led through the streets on a horse. No, no. This is a bad dream. He starts pinching himself. I know I'm going to wake up. You ever had one of those days? Oh, man. Now, the court, the, uh, I think this is funny. The king goes, leave out nothing that you have mentioned. This is your idea, and it's a good one. Do everything you said. <sighs> so Haman took the robes and the horse, and he dressed Mordecai, led him through the square of the city, proclaiming before him, thus shall it be done to the man whom the king delights to honor. You think he was really excited about that job? Blessed be the man who... Louder. I can't hear you. Blessed be the man whom the king delights to honor. Then Mordecai returned to the king's gate, but Haman hurried to his house, mourning, and his head was covered. Haman told his wife Zeresh and all his friends everything that had happened to him. And then his wise men and his wife Zeresh said to him, this is where it gets interesting. If Mordecai before whom you have begun to fall, is of Jewish people, you will not overcome him, but will surely fall before him. Man, Mordecai went from having a great day to all of a sudden having some serious doubts. You see, in Esther 6.13, she's beginning to realize this wife, Zeresh, Hey, Haman, this is not going really well for you at all. As a matter of fact, I think 
I think she may be sensing that there's a greater power at work here. Something is going on that is protecting Haman and blessing him. So this proud and this corrupt man is told that he may actually fall. That's on our next slide. 1 Peter 5, 6. I want you to listen to this. This is so interesting because it applies to wicked Haman. Peter says, Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time he may exalt you, casting all of your anxieties on him because he cares for you. You see, the humble God lifts up, but the proud, we're told, God humbles. God takes them down. I'm afraid this proud man who is evil and corrupt, who wants to destroy God's people, is getting ready to fall. And you see, another thing interesting about this story, Zeresh, this is Haman's wife, she understands that there's a, there's a force working here behind Mordecai's life that seems to be protecting Mordecai, protecting God's people. Now, here's the application today. I want you to listen. Pay attention. Everybody listening? Here's your application. Folks, in God's church today, if you trust the Lord, and if, and if you are faithful to the Lord, He's still active in your life. Do you believe that? God is working in your lives in ways that you might not understand. He provides for and He protects those souls of His faithful children. Now, why do I say that? You see, we live in uncertain times. Political winds change. Things happen. People die unexpectedly. People get cancer. People die. But God is present in your life, and He wants to protect you. So, here's the question. What are God's people promised today? What can we look forward to? In 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 4, Here's the message I want to share with you today that I think is wonderful, and it even applies to us just as it did to the Jews and to faithful Mordecai and to faithful Esther. There is an inheritance, the Bible says, an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, unfading. That means it never, ever goes away. The promise that you have of eternal life and the home where you'll live will never disappear. And it's been promised to you. It is kept in heaven for you, the Bible tells us, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. That's a promise made to me and you, all of God's faithful. God says, I'll never forget you. I'll never forsake you. And I'll always promise that heaven will be prepared for my faithful. The next part of the scripture in verse 6, In this you rejoice, Peter writes, though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials. So what does this mean? What's the application to us? How do we take the story of Esther and, and fast forward that into our lives as far as God's involvement and His protection of our souls? Here's what it means. I'm not going to promise that you live a wonderful, perfect life. No, that rarely happens for God's elect. Often they're, they're um, persecuted. Often they have difficulties. But if we live, we win. If we die, we win. How is that, Brother Tom? You see, we're assured a home that will never go away. So if our life is cut short, if we die for the cause of Christ, if we die for some unforeknown, unforeseen reason, then we know we have an eternal home if we're found faithful, a home that lasts forever. This life the Bible tells us, is brief. It's like steam that comes out of a kettle. And yes, we will have troubles, but we have a home that is eternal. That's exciting. And I hope you can be excited about that promise as well. The Bible tells us in 1 John 4, 4, as far as God's love and protection, little children, 
you are from God, and have overcome them, for he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. Who is in the world? The prince of the power of the air, Satan himself. He's the God of this world. But we know that God who lives in us is greater than any evil force that may exist on this earth. And when the Lord comes back, when the trumpet sounds, we know that God will be victorious and He will usher us into an eternal home. That's what really matters in the end. We have a Savior who died for us. He shed His blood for us. And we need to get excited about our home. Now, all of this happened to Haman. His life quickly has turned around. The forces of God have turned against him and he's being humbled. All of this happened. He's been humiliated. He had to lead Mordecai around on a horse and proclaim how great Mordecai was and being honored by the king. His plan is unraveling. And now, if that's not bad enough, guess what happens? Chapter 6, verse 14. He's probably telling this sad story to his wife and his friends about how he was humiliated. The king's eunuchs arrived and hurried to bring Haman to the feast that Esther had prepared. Boy, if he thought he had a bad day, just wait. Just wait. Evil Haman is about to meet his end. We're out of time today, but next week what I'd like to do is we'll look at chapter 7, where Esther reveals this evil plot of Haman to the king. She will let the king know that she is in fact a Jew and her people are going to be destroyed unless the king intervenes. And again, I'm so appreciative and grateful for the the courage and the bravery of Queen Esther, who was willing to put it all on the line to save her people. You see, she enacted a plan of salvation. But you remember Ryan, when he was giving his communion meditation today, he focused on one word. You remember what that one word was? That word was Savior. Savior. We have a Savior, church, a Savior who came and He died for us. He gave up his life for us and shed his blood that we could be saved. And so I see a parallel in the story of Esther. Esther was basically a person who became a savior of her people. But God and Queen Esther both, they carried out a plan to save many people. What is God's plan? He gave his life for us the perfect for the imperfect. He shed his blood. He was that sacrifice that saved us from our sins. Jesus simply says, if you'll confess my name, you'll believe that I am the Son of God. If you will give your life uh, over to me and, and, and symbolically crucify yourself and then become my disciple, follow me, be loyal to me, uh, be baptized in the waters of, of uh, salvation and be resurrected a new person, I'll promise you heaven. And so my question today as we close our lesson is simply this. Do you today need to be included in God's plan? God is willing. God is able to save you. He's already provided that means of salvation through His Son, Jesus Christ. We invite you to come in contact with the blood of Jesus Christ. If you've not obeyed the gospel, you have not benefited from the plan of salvation. It's very simple. If you have questions, we'd love to study with you. Maybe you're a Christian who has fallen away or grown lax or casual in your relationship with the Lord. Whatever your need may be, Wes is going to lead us in an invitation song. We invite you to come and be a part of God's plan of salvation. Let's stand and sing together. And wash away my sins Let them but the blood of Jesus What can make me whole again Let them but the blood of Jesus Oh, precious is our flow That makes me one
This will have our closing prayer. <clears throat> One and five. Each day I took a golden tear. I help in the thank you for this beautiful Lord's Day that you've so richly blessed us with and allowing us to come together this morning as a band of thy children and sing these songs to thy name and hear another lesson from your word. Dear Holy Father, we just sung a song. and Dear Holy Father, we know that our life is short. We don't know when our life will be over, just like the sun is setting. Dear Holy Father, we know each and every one of us will uh, exit this life Dear Heavenly Father, we just pray that we will be faithful Christians and we can help someone that's going down this road of life. We can turn their night to day and we can show them the, the plan of salvation and, and come to Jesus before it's everlasting too late because each and every soul will spend somewhere in eternity. And dear Heavenly Father, we just pray that we will help them uh, spend eternity in heaven with you. And dear Heavenly Father, we just pray that we will live our lives, that we will spend 
uh, eternity with you. We just thank you that Jesus was able to come to this earth and live among men and die a cruel death on the cross, that we can have that hope of heaven with you someday. Dear Holy Father, we just know that there are so many on our prayer list here that are sick, uh, recovering recovering from surgery. Uh, Dear Holy Father, you know each and every one of them. Dear Holy Father, we just ask you to please uh, be with them and heal them where they can be back in worship with us again. Dear Holy Father, we know there's many in our community that have uh, lost loved ones. Dear Holy Father, we just ask you to uh, comfort them as only you can. Heavenly Father, we just ask you to please watch over us and bless us that we can be the shining light that you would have us to be in this dark and cruel world. Just please forgive us where we fail you. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.